looking at a passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, that's where uh, we're going to hear some more information about our interaction, our attitude, our behavior uh, as Christians with our government, with our human authorities that God has ordained. God has, by His authority, uh, allowed them to exercise this authority. We've, we've talked a lot about um, <clears throat> kind of, well, we've talked about at least a couple of different uh, specific uh, concepts when it comes to how we're to interact with the government. Uh, being in subjection is definitely a big one, you know, living in subjection. Uh, so long as we're not going against the word of God, against commands of God, then we're to exercise uh, subjection. We're supposed to use our freedom, we talked about last week, uh, to do that. We were just kind of highlighting last week how uh, God has a specific way that he wants us to use our freedom. And uh, so we looked at that last week. But uh, this week, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2, like I said, looking at prayer. Uh, but before we get to that and, and get into why we're talking about and all that, uh, I want you to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 with me. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. In these two verses, Paul gives Timothy his purpose for writing this letter, which is going to be kind of important to what we're going, uh, going to look at here in just a minute. So if you're wondering why we're going forward in the, the letter to then come back, it's because Paul gives Timothy all these things, and at the end he said, I'm writing this to you so that you'll tell all these people these things, okay? So look at the purpose here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Paul writes to Timothy, the evangelist, he says, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So Paul, we see here, he hopes to come to Timothy soon to, to see him face to face, to spend that time. Uh, but in, in this letter, in case he uh, doesn't get there as quickly as he'd like to, he's got some things that sooner rather than later need to be relayed to the church, the pillar and support of the truth. He's got some things that he wants to make sure that he explains to the Christians there. You know, hey, in the meantime, until I get there, make sure you pass along these important things to the church. This is how they need to conduct themselves, okay? So again, this is not just, you know, some scripture that we pulled out and we said, hey, maybe we ought to be doing this too. No, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, hey, make sure you tell the church that this is indeed some things they're supposed to be doing, okay? So one of those things, of course, is, if we flip back to 1 Timothy chapter 2 now, one of those things <clears throat> that, that, that we're supposed to be doing as part of this community, part of the household of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth, Christ's body on earth, part of that is praying, praying for our government uh, as well. Praying for all men, we'll see in just a minute, but praying for our government as well. So 1 Timothy chapter 2, now let's look at the, the scripture. This is the passage we're going to actually hone in on uh, for this message here. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 8 are, are what I want us to see here uh, with regard to one particular specific thing that we're supposed to be doing. Verse 1 says, First of all, then, I urge that, in, that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus 
who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, verse 8 says, Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we see here the importance of all Christians praying for all men everywhere at all times. But I want to focus in this morning on the fact that Paul specifically notes that we are supposed to. Part of how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in the household of God, we are supposed to be praying for kings and for all who are in authority. Now, we don't have kings in our land, um, praise the Lord, I, I believe, but um, we know what the spirit of the message is here. Those who are maintaining uh, civility in our country, those who are uh, making laws, enforcing laws, praising those who do right and punishing those who do wrong, we're supposed to be praying for these people. After considering our need to submit to human authorities a couple weeks ago and then looking at the seriousness of God's prescription for freedom last week, this week we want to look at Paul's words here and our responsibility to pray for our nation's leaders. So that's why we're going to unpack these verses in a message that I'm calling National Prayer here. So let's jump right into the text here. First of all, uh, let's look at what kind of prayers we're supposed to be offering up. What, what kind of prayers does uh, Paul mention here? Because he doesn't just say simply pray for them. He gives us a list of uh, specific types of prayers, and we don't want to gloss over these. I mean, we, can, we will probably accidentally, to some degree, fall into praying some of these types of prayers. But I think it's important to make sure we understand the different types of prayers that Paul is writing about here. So the first word that it, we have here are entreaties. We're supposed to be offering up entreaties. I looked at a few different sources to discover the meaning behind these different words for these different types of prayers uh, that, that Paul uses. Looked at the, you know, the Greek word or the Greek phrases to try to figure these out. And the word that's been translated as entreaties here, it's referring to specific needs. So these are prayers for very specific situations. Um, it's when we lift up to God specific issues that you know, are completely upon him for help. You know, we've got this coming at us. You know, something's happening in our life right now. This wasn't happening last week. This is something that just landed in our lap this week. We're doing what we can to, to, to react to it, to respond to it, uh, to do what is appropriate. But we need God. We need to entreat him. We need to pray these, these petitions for certain definite needs. That, that's what's being talked about here. It could be when we're, we're facing a particular challenge or when someone else is facing a particular challenge or when our situation depends on a choice made by others. But it's a, it's a specific in the moment. This is something that I'm going through right now. It'll be over at some point. It hasn't always existed. But right now I have this need or someone else has this need or the church is facing this need, right? We could think of a, a number of specific needs that, that the church has with regard to the government, you know, not every government allows a worship service like this without uh, fear of being bombed or uh, persecuted or put in prison or something like that. So we could think of a lot of different specific challenges as well that our nation's leaders are facing right now. We ought to offer up entreaties regarding these specific issues. Again, things that uh, may not have been happening six months ago or may not have been happening eight or nine months ago, but they're happening now. We're specifically going through them such as the current efforts to support a um, pro-life, pro-religious freedom, pro-free speech uh, Supreme Court justice. 
That's something that's going on now that is happening in our government that could trickle down and affect the church very easily. And this is a specific thing, an entreaty that we could pray for, or that we should pray. We should pray this kind of entreaty. Now, when Paul mentions the next word here, the next word is, is simply translated as prayers. This is referring to needs that are always present, things that we always have a, a, a need for, uh, general prayers, basically. It's different from entreaties in, in that way, in that uh, entreaties are you know, maybe a specific threat, a specific challenge, a specific hurdle. These are things that we're always needing to pray for. Requests made to God for greater wisdom, greater knowledge of his word, stronger faith, um, a greater desire to, to, to pray and, and talk to him on a regular basis. Those are things that, uh, since you became a Christian, You've been wanting to grow in those things, or you should. You, you, want to, uh, you want God to help you in those areas, and you're not expecting that need to ever go away. You're never expecting to reach that point where you're like, you know, okay, well, my faith is, is about where it needs to be. It doesn't really have to go any farther than this. We're, we're, we're pretty good, I think, now. No, these are things that you always are praying for, or you should always be praying for. Now, when we apply this to praying for our government, uh, when we apply this to our nation's leaders, this would look like us offering up prayers for the routine duties that they have to perform, hoping that they'll perform them well, making, uh, such as making wise, uh, decision, uh, wise decisions and information-based decisions, right? Decisions that will uh, benefit the church, that will help uh, the, the nation to be um, a biblical nation, a nation that it continues to operate on biblical principles. It's founded that way. We want to try to uh, return a little more to that. We've gotten pretty far away from that. We want to pray for the routine duties even in these general prayers, things that are ongoing that we regularly want our government to always be doing. You know, we, we don't just need our government to be um, well-behaved right now until we get through this election. No, we need them to always be like this. And so these are general prayers that we're always going to be praying, okay? Okay. Next, Paul uses a word that's translated as petitions. Petitions. Now, this is a word that means to plead on behalf of others. You're pleading on behalf of a, a third party. It's not you. It's somebody out there that you're pleading on their behalf specifically. Now, it could be either for them or against them. All right? It, it, the petitions can be for them or against them, but it's pleading for God to work directly in the life of somebody else. Uh, Gareth Reese, in his commentary on this, he points out that the word picture is that of, a com that of coming to a king and appealing for the king's favorable response to whatever request is made. Now, this is what Christ does on our behalf. This, this petitioning like this, he intercedes for us, right? Hebrews 7.25 tells us, therefore he is able to save forever those who draw near to, him, uh, near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. That, that, that's what he lives for. He lives and does that for us. He goes to the king and pleads on behalf of us, that God will do for us what he pleads for. That, that's that same idea. So take note, it is Christ-like to offer up petitions, it is Christ-like to, to not just pray for things for yourself, for the benefit of yourself or your family or your church, but to plead on behalf of others, even those that maybe are, are hurting you and persecuting you. I mean, Jesus uh, is willing and able and ready to intercede for those who are spitting in his face right now. 
we need to be Christ-like and offer up petitions like this as well. And so when we see uh, governments not behaving well, when we see leaders not behaving well, we still need to offer up petitions uh, on their behalf, all right? So when it comes to applying this to national prayer, uh, I'm sure many of us already spend a lot of time petitioning God on behalf of particular leaders. You know, our president, members of Congress, state governors, members of the Senate, so on and so forth, even our our local governments. But remember, I think this is important to point out, but we need to be careful with it. These could be for or against. Okay, We, we, we often pray for the good guy to be able to do the good thing, right? But sometimes we certainly can and should pray that evil plans of bad actors in the government should be foiled or frustrated by God. That God would take action in these situations and he would oppose them as long as they're trying to murder the unborn, as long as they're trying to prevent church gatherings from happening or to to legislate hate against a, a particular group, any group, based on anything. Then finally, Paul gives us a word that we translate here as as thanksgivings. Now, this one probably jumps out as uh, the one that we could very specifically understand the difference between this and other types of prayers. You know, thanksgivings, we we, we know this, right? It's simply expressing gratitude um, for blessings received, for answered prayers, um, for, for answered prayers that maybe we didn't even realize we prayed for, you know, blessings that you're like, you're almost kind of embarrassed. You're like, oh, I didn't even ask for that, and God gave it to us. You know, I never prayed for um, freedom, like the political or national freedom. You know, I, I, I never prayed uh, when I was little bitty for, you know, our nation to have a, a strong military to, to protect me. But God gave me those things, and so I thank him for them, and now I'm mature enough to, to pray for those as part of general prayers, ongoing things that we want the government to be able to provide. But that's, that's what these are, obviously. They're, they're thanksgivings. When we see God working in our nation, we certainly ought to offer up these prayers of thanksgiving. These thanksgivings, we need to give those to him in response. God has allowed us to enjoy freedom, prosperity, comfort, safety, health. The list goes on and on and on. The things that we have to be thankful for, the things that we have to pray to him about. We should offer up thanksgivings to him just simply for the opportunity to live the life where we live it and how we're governed, protected, and offered so much opportunity. You know, we're spoiled. We think that this country, you know, yeah, is it going downhill? It seems like it, but is it still way better than any other country on earth? It sure is. And so while we certainly need to pray for better days ahead, we also need to thank God for all the days that we've had and the day that we have today as well. So we need to be offering up thanksgivings for all sorts of things. Uh, when rulings are made in our court systems uh, that are in favor of religious liberty or, or any kind of uh, holy living, you know, the sanctity of life, you know, um, the, the defense of marriage being between one man, one woman, all those things. We need to thank God for those things. When pro-life leaders are elected or appointed to any position that's going to govern over us, we need to thank God for those moments. Even as imperfect as these men or women may be, we need to thank him for the fact that they have a stance that's going to help people, going to help mankind going to help the church as well we got to offer up these thanksgivings and when those um, petitions even for god to work against people work out we need to thank him for that when we pray that um, plans evil plans by bad actors will be thwarted will be frustrated by god 
when God opposes them and we see that he did it, he, he saved us from that what looked like certain calamity because of what they were trying to do, we need to offer up thanksgivings for that because God has done that. God has uh, provided that blessing. We should offer up all four of these different kinds of prayers that Paul has mentioned here on behalf of our nation's leaders, on behalf of our government as a whole. We need to offer up prayers for uh, all human authorities because we know that that authority comes from God, right? So we need to offer all four of these kinds of prayers. The question is, are we offering up all four of these kinds of prayers? And are we doing it for our nation? We probably do it for our families. We might do it for our church. Might do it for our friends. Might do it for other churches. But have we been doing this? Have we been offering up these four kinds of prayers on behalf of our nation's government? The human authorities that exercise that authority over us that God has given them. We've got these different types of prayers that we're to offer up. Let's take a look now at, at Paul answering the question, why? Why pray? I mean, I can stand up here and tell you the Bible says to pray, but oftentimes most of us, our minds, they, they still say why. You know, we know God is final authority, and so we're going to obey what he says to do because he says to obey it. But we have a why. Why pray for those in authority? Well, the short answer is so that we can all live a certain way, and that's tranquil and quiet lives, right? The second half of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, second half of verse 2 there said, so that, right? Here's the reason. So that, okay, offer up these kinds of prayers so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. We've already learned that our subjection to the government is the right thing to do. And we've looked at how our freedom isn't to be used unnecessarily to resist authority. And we've seen how part of our purpose for living that way is so that the Christian doesn't come across as or, or actually be this uh, obnoxious, rebellious pest of a citizen, right? That's not a good witness for God or for his church. But we also play a part in helping keep the peace through our prayer. Not just through actually living it out, but also through praying that God will help that to happen. We pray for this thing. Here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, it shows us that our prayers for those human institutions of authority also help in keeping the peace. That's something we're supposed to be doing. Not just subjecting to these authorities, but praying for them so that we can live in peace, so that our country can live in peace. And why would that work? Why, why would praying work? Because God's in control. God's in control of this. God is in control of this. We need to pray for him. I had a great um, conversation with somebody at the revival uh, this, this past week in Versailles when I uh, preached on prayer up there, uncomfortable praying. And this person told me that, um, you know, they were pretty upset with um, the way the government was going. Pretty upset with the way the leaders were acting. And uh, this person said, you know, after hearing about the, the uncomfortable praying for uncomfortable people at uncomfortable times for uncomfortable things, all that, when I developed all that, this person came to me and said, you know what, I decided actually a while back to, to do kind of what you're talking about. Because I was so frustrated and so mad and I didn't feel like what I was doing was right. I just started praying for these people. And I said, I know that sounds, you know, so basic. But what if, we don't know, what, we don't know, but what if God is just sitting there watching and just waiting like any time now, if you guys want to turn this around, I'm just waiting for you to, um, you know, tell me that's what you like. I see you fight and bicker and post everything on Facebook, but 
I'm just waiting for you to, to, to pray it to me, to tell me and to mean it from your heart. That's all I'm waiting for. God's in control. Are we going to go to him? Are we going to take the nation back by our life, the way we live it, but also through prayer by asking God, you know, God, hey, I'll play my part. I'll, I'll do what I need to do. But this is bigger than me. This is bigger than my congregation. Help me. Turn it around. You, you soften hearts. You guide leaders, right? We know that God's in complete control. In the scriptures, we've seen God remove men like King Saul from authority. We've seen him powerfully humble uh, men like he did with King Nebuchadnezzar. We've seen him strike down and destroy men like he did with King Herod, eaten by worms. We've seen him anoint and mold men into who he wanted them to be, like King David. The Bible says Christ is the ruler of all the kings of the earth. Proverbs 21, verse 1. Listen to this. This verse is just a, a, a picture of God's power and authority. And I don't mean that to sound cliche. Listen to it. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Have you ever done that? The, the water in the sink isn't hitting where you want it to? You just put your hand We know how to do this. We can put our hand there and just guide it right where we want it to go, right? The king's heart is like that. Not just the decisions he makes. God can turn his heart like that. Are we going to pray and ask about it? God can influence rulers. He can bless and curse governments. He can favor and oppose nations. He can answer prayers of deliverance or judge harshly against a nation and its leaders. And he can and will do that right now. God listens to his people. Luke chapter 18, verses 7 and 8. Jesus said there, he said, Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. Church, we can get a lot more done in the prayer closet than we can the voting booth. You should do both. You should take full advantage of both. But do not fail to recognize which is more potent. Do not fail to understand, to realize, to recognize which one is more powerful. That's going to God in prayer. King's hearts are like channels of water that he can guide with his hand so we ought to pray for leaders so that we can lead a tranquil life and because the bible says this is good and acceptable to god this is good and acceptable to god we need to pray for the good of leaders and for the good of our nation because god desires all men to be saved all right ultimately this all goes back to the gospel ultimately this all goes back to creating a situation where people see christ in us and they hear christ being proclaimed by us this all goes back to creating a situation a culture a um a, a society where the gospel can be spread where men can come to a knowledge of the truth Look at verses 3 through 7 again. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Okay, this praying in this way, this praying for leaders, and this praying so that we can lead a, a quiet and tranquil, calm life. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed, Paul is saying this. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. 
We should pray that our human authorities make good decisions, godly decisions, decisions that protect us and give us the best opportunity to learn of Christ and to live a life for Him and to let others be able to hear about Him. It's good and acceptable in the sight of God for us to do this. After all, He sent Christ as our Redeemer, as the one who could pay the price for our sin and win victory over death on our behalf. And now... As the scripture says here, Christ is indeed our mediator, our go-between, between us and God. Let's pray for peace. Let's pray for a national situation that lends itself to the gospel being spread. Okay, the gospel can go out and can work the way God wants it to in any situation. Any situation. We've seen it be powerful in situations that were oppressive. But we had a whole Christian nation at one time. Now, was there denominationalism and were the waters muddied? Absolutely, they were. But you know what was actually happening? Instead of men getting farther from the truth, there was a thing called the Restoration Movement where men were actually getting closer to the truth. We had a period in our history where we were a little confused on some things, but we were coming together, coming together, coming together, and now we're growing apart, growing apart, and all the, the secularism, the postmodernism, all the, you know, God is not real, the atheism, the agnosticism, it's all just tearing things apart so you can't tell me especially since we have scriptural backing for it that it wouldn't be a, a, a beautiful much much cleaner situation if we would clean up our nation through prayer and through subjection to our governing authorities and through living the christian life the way we should in a peaceful society where men who are in these leadership roles are doing what they're supposed to be doing in the government not persecuting the church not murdering the, the unborn. I hate to even call them that. They're, they're children. Yes, they're in a state of not being born yet, although they're threatening for it to be in a state where they are born. We need to pray for this calm, peaceful, tranquil life where men can come to know that Christ is Redeemer, that Christ is the Mediator, that God wants all men to be saved. We need to pray that this will happen. And then as we come to verse 8, we see Paul's answer to the question of where and how should we pray? Where and how should we pray? The first uh, answer is, is a pretty simple one, right? Where, where should we pray? Everywhere. We should pray <laughs> everywhere, not just in one country, but in all countries. Not just in homes, but also in public. Not just in the church service or prayer meeting, but everywhere. Paul says in verse 8, I want men in every place to pray. Not just right here. Not just right here at 8774 North U.S. Highway 421. Not just when you're in this building sitting on the green padded pew. Everywhere. Everywhere. And as far as how does he want us to pray? Well, Paul goes on to say lifting up holy hands. You might be surprised if you do a, a brief study on the physical postures that are recorded for us in Scripture of how uh, men and women prayed in the Bible that um, there's quite a variety. Quite a variety of situations physical postures that they would take when they prayed quite a variety and if you get your deeper dive study guide this week um, I encourage you I give you some scriptures to go through and to note and to look at the different postures I'm not going to go through it this morning for the sake of time and to give you something to do this week all right but you might be surprised to find out that there is no um, folding of hands and closing of eyes we bow our heads and close our eyes or fold our hands fold our hands and close our eyes and that song that we used to sing in junior church, right? Okay, I'm not saying, well, that's anti-scriptural, you know, that's from the devil. That's not the case at all. But you might be surprised to find out 
that if someone is praying like this and talking to God with their eyes open and looking to the sky, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. If they're laying flat on their face like Jesus did in the garden, it's okay. If they're driving with their eyes open, that's exactly how it should be done. <laughs> There's a variety of ways to pray when it comes to physical posture. Evidently, the particular posture you take is not what's important. Evidently, it's, it's a spiritual posture. Evidently, Paul here must be emphasizing the holy hands. The hands unpolluted by sin. In other words, as we lift up our entreaties, our prayers, our petitions, our thanksgivings to God, we should be coming as those who are living faithfully for the God that we are coming to pray to. We should not only be praying for government, but for our own sin as well. We can't just be going along in life just day in, day out, not really thinking about you know, any kind of real purpose or intentionality or, or focus on living a Christian life and, and what we're supposed to be doing throughout that day, how we could further the kingdom of God that day. We just wake up, get our clothes on, and you know, can't wait to go back to bed when it's all over with. That's, no, no, no. We need to come to him having or currently living the holy life, currently living for him and not just coming to him and saying, God, fix this mess of a nation we've got here. But no, instead to, to come and say, God, fix this mess that I am. Help me to, to quit falling for this one sin that gets me all the time or these couple of sins that get me every time. Help me to overcome the, the, the awkwardness of doing this one thing that you've called me to do that I have such a hard time doing. You know, come to him and, and ask him about that first. Talk to him about that first. And then you can make these other requests. Come with holy hands. Pray for forgiveness and mercy before you start praying uh, to God to, to fix all these other people, right? You know, there's something in the Bible about taking something out of your eye before you try to take the eye out of somebody else or something out of somebody else's eye, right? I mean, I almost feel like, uh, like that's scriptural or something. We should come to him with holy hands, not hands that are involved in selfishness and pride and arrogance and, and sin. Hands without wrath and dissension, Paul says. Anger, arguments, disputes, all these kinds of things. We need to be addressing these sorts of things in our own lives if we expect God to help us with the bigger picture issues that we need his help for that are outside of our control and are dependent completely on him. God isn't going to fix our nation's problems or bless our leadership if we won't help our brother or forgive our brother. If we won't show mercy and gentleness and love to our brother. Those aren't holy hands. Those are prideful, sinful hands full of wrath and dissension. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others then your father will not forgive your transgressions. So you see, God is not, I forget who I heard uh, say it this way the, originally, but God is not this cosmic vending machine. <laughs> He's not up there somewhere, you know, beyond the galaxies, as we sang in the song earlier today. He's not, I mean, he is up there, but he's not up there just waiting for you to press the button and just, boop, out pops the blessing. That, that's not how it works. We need holy hands when we come to him without wrath, without dissension. So church, let's offer up all of these kinds of prayers, all four of these kinds of prayers we looked at, the, the entreaties, those specific requests, the general prayers for the general ongoing uh, kind of maintenance prayers, if you will, 
That, that kind of doesn't make it sound quite as uh, good as it should, but you know what I'm talking about. These ongoing things that we need to be praying about. The petitions, prayers on behalf of others, maybe for, maybe against, hopefully most of the time for. Entreaties for other people, these third parties, and then thanksgivings. Remember to thank God for His working on behalf of our government. But in all cases, but specifically we're talking about prayers for our government right now, for answering these prayers for peace. And let's do this consistently so that we can have peace, so that we can have the calm, tranquil life like we talked about, so that others have the greatest chance to see Christ in us, so that we have the greatest um, freedom to worship and to serve and to preach Christ, to proclaim Him in this country, so that others have the greatest opportunity to learn about Him in this country. And let's remember that, let's remember that it is the duty of all of us to do this. This isn't the preacher, this isn't, you know, a, a women's group, this is, this is all of us. We're all supposed to be preaching, to be, or to, uh, praying in all places, at all times, coming to God with holy hands, not with wrath and dissension like we just talked about. It's my prayer that we would recognize that this is indeed part, as Paul says, of how we ought to conduct ourselves in the household of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth.